and welcome to Saturday Morning Cartoons, the weekly podcast that revisits, reviews, and ridicules some of the world's weirdest animated series. Coming to you from Arkham Asylum, I'll be your warden, Dave Trumbor. Joining me as always, my co-host, Sean, the Mad Chatter Ellis. How's it going, Sean? Oh no, David, David, David. I'm doing well, buddy. How about yourself? I'm doing great, and you know why? I I already know why we're doing so great. (laughs) We've been together for a hundred episodes, my friend. We hit a a sweet hondo. Sweet Franklin of episodes. We We hit a buck. We hit a buck. Of episodes, a buck it sounds m- nah. so much better. When it's like a buck fifty, or like a buck. Yeah, it's like a buck fifty. Yeah. yeah, we got we got some ways to go, but uh, mm. yeah, episode one hundred, almost two years of doing this podcast, which is oh, man. super insane to even think about, and a little sad. So I'm not going to think about it too much. So. I got nostalgic about it earlier today, but then I went through an entire box of tissues, and I was like, let's make episode 100 happen. Yeah, Sean had a very uh, very heartfelt and uh, delightful <laughs> Instagram post. <laughs> <laughs> which I was only aware of because my girlfriend saw it. Uh, I don't do the Instagram. You can follow <laughs> Sean Paulus on Instagram, at Sean Paul Ellis. And the tweets I hear. Oh, man. I love the fact that I just have to hashtag Dave's name, and I tag his girlfriend, and she will just deliver the message to Dave. It's like whisper down the alley or the phone game or whatever you had. So sometimes the message gets a little cross, but I got it today. It was very sweet. Very nice. Yeah, and we're looking forward to this episode, too, because it's actually part two of a two-part celebration episode spectacular. We're talking Batman, the animated series. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And if you missed last week's episode, uh, which was technically episode 99, Sean and I actually talked about the first ever Batman, the animated series episode and pilot, the unaired pilot. We, we give you a little bonus content there, too. And then we talked about one of the last episodes to ever air, and we covered some very different, uh, different themes, definitely some different villains. And I bring that up because, I mean, honestly, what is a hero without his rogues gallery of villains? You know? Oh, and, man. And I think not too many people out there would argue with me if I said that Batman has the, the best villains in, like, comic book history. Absolutely. And definitely in, in animated cartoon, you know, animated series history. Uh, Batman the Animated Series has to have some of the best. Not only the voice acting, the character design, but then just the, the plot structure and the variety and just some of the most unique villains that, you know, they started on the show and then they became this, this huge force in the DC Comics universe. So, of course, I'm talking like Harley Quinn, who she was created for the show and then just became this, this huge force and is still, you know, we're going to see her in live action later on this year in Suicide Squad. Uh, but that's just one of many villains that were... Uh, standout on this show um, right so what, what about you like when, when i say batman villains from the animated series what immediately comes to mind for you well i immediately get uh just such a, a broad assortment of of, of characters and, and my favorite thing is that having been somebody who's read a lot of batman comics uh i was really happy when things like uh, christopher nolan director for christopher nolan kind of brought uh, a new face to a lot of these characters but when I think specifically Batman, the animated series, yeah. and I think these villains, it's crazy. Like it's, it's almost, it's the trigger that when I hear somebody talk about Batman villains, the, the design of these villains is immediately what comes into my head. So I always think of the two face with sort of the, the one half, yeah. uh, like the black and white Two-tone suit, suit. Yep. and, and the, the blue kind of like a uh, boil face with the lip that that's kind of like snarled lip, up kind of snarled it, up that thing comes up to his eyebrow almost yeah. that thing is <laughs> vicious. so you know just the the character choices when i when i think about 
uh, clay face, you know, the, just this, this blob of clay that can, can turn into to anything. Um, you know, some of the most memorable moments that I have uh, of that specific villain are from this cartoon. And you get glimpses of them in other media and other comic books, but I, I guess just because of the, the era and the time that I was watching this show, those, those guys stay with me forever. Yeah. Not to mention, I, I will say this, as a kid, I don't think that I truly appreciated how sexy some of the female characters were mm. that were in this, including Poison Ivy. After dark. Uh, her character design in this is the fantastic, yeah. as well as also Catwoman. We're going to try to throw a, some cold water on this, but yeah, we'll let him, we'll let him have his moment. Later. Yeah, yeah but these, these, these ladies are just fantastic in this show. Yeah, and then definitely Harley Quinn, too, when she eventually comes in later on. I love the fact that they had their own episode together too, which is like kind right. of held up as like a hallmark for, for fans of both of them. But honestly, for me, if you say Batman villain from the animated series, my first go-to is Joker because yeah. I still hear Mark Hamill's voice in my head. Anytime there's a Joker thing, if I'm reading a Joker comic, if I'm watching something on TV and I don't really like the, the voice, I just kind of like swap it out with Mark Hamill's voice in my head instead. <laughs> and when I, the first time that I heard that that was, you know, Luke Skywalker doing the voice of the Joker, my mind was just like almost literally blown. They had to like scoop me up off the floor because it just seemed like such a, a contrast. You know, it didn't seem like that person should be able to do that voice and be that good at it. It was just crazy. Right. And the fact that he's still coming back, so it'll be him and Conroy that are coming back for the killing joke uh, later this year too. I think that's pretty cool. And we actually have right. the, the, the team back together for that. So yeah, we could probably spend an entire episode just talking about the Joker, but we've got a lot of ground to cover tonight. We're actually, between Sean and myself, we're going to cover some of the best examples of these villains from, uh, from the episodes of Batman the Animated Series. We're going to cover some of our favorite moments, as well as some, uh, I'd say a little more obscure villains, or just some, like, just some cool moments that you maybe, maybe don't quite remember, but this could jog your memory. We also, because we can't cover it all ourselves, and we couldn't fit everybody in the studio, we also are going to have some, uh, some special guests that have joined right. us over the years, over the episodes, and they are going to help fill out this Batman Villain podcast episode. Our, uh, our friends and supporters for the last two years who have been so gracious and, uh, and helpful are going to come on and have an opportunity to share some of their distinctive memories about their specific favorite villains. But because our opinions uh, matter more to us, that we're going to wait until the end of the episode for them. So they got to sit around and wait for yeah, a yeah, while. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. They, they can hold on. They can hold on for a bit. We, yeah. We've held on for 100 episodes. I think they can wait a few more minutes. <laughs> but yeah, so Sean and I have put together uh, a list of, we've got three episodes that we're going to cover tonight. Now, don't worry, we're not going to go through the, the plots of all of them like crazy people. We're just going to talk about kind of the, the best moments that came out of each one for these specific villains. And I think we've got a good kind of array of villainy on display. We've also got a good selection of uh, individual scenes. There's definitely some very funny lines that really give you a sense of what this character was like. Um, and the coolest part of this series, for me at least, was when these villains team up, right? So right. They, they didn't necessarily team up in like a Legion of Doom kind of way. They just kind of were just like, oh, we're all villains. We're all in Gotham City. We hate Batman. So let's just kind of like hang out, play cards, maybe have a, maybe hold a trial. <laughs> maybe go on vacation <laughs> maybe go to an auction house i don't know there's just a lot of things that they could do yeah. that, you know but they're just villains about to, town do whatever they want you you have to realize that in the microcosm of crime in gotham that there are a lot of criminals there's a lot of uh these criminal elements that are, are present but you have to realize for these for these villains these like super the elite 
these these elite villains that we have that are in here, you know, it's a very small group. It's an and exclusive so, you know, club. You want to hang out with your peers. You want to get to know them a little bit better. You want to network. You want to you want to stab them literally in the back as often as you can. Oh, millions and millions of times. It's so good. But I love that. I love that they have that chance to like interact. And then Batman is almost kind of like he plays second fiddle to some of these villains in these episodes. And I think that that's great because right. it gives them a chance to interact in different ways. And you see a different side of the character. It's just one of the strengths of the show that it really does round out the entire cast. So, yes, Absolutely. tonight, do uh, you want to start with uh, the strange yeah. secret of Bruce Wayne? Let's get into the strange secret of Bruce Wayne. So this, this starts out with something that we, uh, you know, we don't always see in some of these episodes. Oh, you mean a closed um, bridge? Yeah, right. <laughs> Damn it, you beat me to Sorry. it. <laughs> traffic not flowing traffic, in Gotham? Just no traffic Shocking. in Gotham? What? The, the thing that was interesting about the strange secret of Bruce Wayne was that this was just a, an entire episode about traffic patterns and how to plan uh, a better urban renewal project. Yeah, it was really strange just, just to see how like, you know, traffic engineering went into this whole thing and like urban planning and all that. Yeah. Personally, I learned a lot from this episode, mm-hmm. but in terms of Batman, it was really kind of hard to, to pick out what moments he, he really had a direct impact. He really played second fiddle to a lot of these urban planners and these people who are interested in really revitalizing that area of Gotham. Yeah. So uh, the gentrification of Gotham. Yeah. Yeah, we're fucking around yeah, now. Yeah, we're totally so. <laughs> screwing around. I mean, there is a closed bridge. We're not screwing around about that. That would be a really weird thing to make up on the spur of the moment. Uh, it's closed in one direction because yes. a car from, comes from another direction and we just have a, we get a really interesting character who comes into this and i don't know that we've ever seen judge uh, maria vargas her name is so familiar that i can't remember if it's just from this episode that i remember it or if she's like name dropped earlier on or i just pulled it from like the general batman universe but i'm, I'm not right. sure yeah but we get we get this moment of, of of blackmail and we get a really fun line from these these two uh these two villains these guys are like are, low-level thugs at this point uh, though. yeah they work they for are, somebody else but they're like low-level thugs Thank you. I should really be better prepared to speak about crime and criminals in Gotham. And thug is the proper term. But these, but in the thug category, these are named thugs, or at least one of them is because his name is Numbers. <laughs> Which is great. Best, I love the, that he's like this huge hulking guy, but he's just like, he's there to count the money. Well, the best part is, is that he picks up like a stack of bills. He flips them out of a briefcase uh, full thumb. of stacks of bills. Yeah, right flips him next to his ear yep. but only one stack and it's just like 20 grand short I'm like you didn't even look at the rest of this. i don't know man his name's numbers i feel like i trust him i even if he's an idiot savant i feel like there's the potential to that he may have screwed that or up. they literally just pay they just pay this guy to just be intimidating and always say that they're 20 grand short like regardless <laughs> he's not actually counting anything he's just like on the off chance that you shorted him he's just like you're 20 grand short numbers got his nickname of numbers because regardless of what it is he always says 20 yeah, grand short the 20 only grand was taken by another thug yeah. And so they're like, we'll just call them numbers. It makes a lot of sense. Well, we had the two-ton gang at one point. We've got oh, uh, no. 20 grand. We got numbers. So, yeah. 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 If you were here for Numbers the Thug's backstory, then congratulations. <laughs> we just brought it to you. Just a little of the bonus content here on Saturday Morning oh, Cartoon. So amazing. We get one of those fantastic lines uh, from these thugs where Batman has one of those classic rebuttals where... <laughs> This is like right out of the gate in the first like minute of the the episode when this thug just goes, "You make a mistake, you always pay." You just get Batman in the background. It's just like, 
my thoughts exactly. Yeah, he like, like he like oh. rises out of the shadows like he does, and he's like on the top oh. of the on top of the lone car that's on this closed bridge. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. My thoughts exactly. You're gonna get it. It's pretty great. It's pretty great moment. So what's the, what's the deal with this judge though? What's going on with the blackmail? Why is this important? What's going on? Uh, you know the the big thing is that she had gone on a a retreat. Okay. She had gone on a, a retreat uh, to a place called Yucca Springs Resort. Sounds delightful. And it, it's something for, you know, people who are, are in power, um, people who have stressful jobs. It's a way to allow them to kind of relax and refocus. And it not only is it a Roland Daggett subsidiary company. <laughs> I love that they threw which that I in love, for no reason. Uh, I love that Batman drops that little piece of knowledge and is just like, oh, Roland Daggett. I'm like, oh my God, here we go. While he's hanging off like the edge of a building, at the, essentially. He's just like, <laughs> yeah. this is Roland Daggett. The bridge. He's hanging off no, the hanging edge off of the a bridge. bridge. Yeah, yeah. So he has, this, he has this moment where they're just like, yeah, we got we to gotta get to this. And um, in that moment, there's this really, really funny moment that I guess maybe you don't see very often mm-hmm. where Batman shoots up to the Batwing and it's piloted by Robin at that point. Which I didn't, and I did not expect. I thought it would just be on like auto bat pilot. I didn't expect Robin to be sitting there in the pilot seat, but whatever. I didn't either, but I can see why they did it for, uh, for things that happened in the future. Oh my God, but that also, makes no but, sense. I can't wait to I, I know, I know, I know. But also just for the, uh, for the fact that they could have this little exchange. I guess he could have presumably had it with Alfred, but he has it with, with Rob mm-hmm. and he has it with Dick Grayson. And uh, he... He just looks at him, and as Batman in the back of the Batwing, he's smiling, and he goes, do I look stressed to you? It was great, because it was his Bruce Wayne voice. We talked about this on the last episode. He's definitely got his Batman voice, his voice of the night. I am vengeance. And then he's got his Bruce Wayne voice, like, hey, everyone, I'm Bruce Wayne. I am a white billionaire playboy. <laughs> oh, God. And it's was great. It, it I really... love that he, he switches between the two, and then seeing him do that as Batman was just bizarre. Because it's one of those rare moments that I, I want to say in watching a lot of these episodes over the last couple of weeks where it's Batman with the cowl on and he's smiling. Yeah. He's just like, do I, do I look stressed out to you? <laughs> <That's strange>. <laughs> <laughs> right? Billions. So <laughs> just, it's, it's so bizarre. But you, you, what's even increasingly more bizarre is that you would have an entire resort mm-hmm. that's managed by a man named Dr. Hugo Strange. Huh. Now, let me throw this out to you, Dave, yeah, because I've been thinking a lot about this. If you were a doctor mm-hmm. and your last name was, I, let's say I'm you were Dr. Dr. Claw, so this might not be the best question for me. Fair enough. But let's but roll with let's it. Let's hypothetically okay. follow me down this doctor. rabbit hole. Right. If you were a different doctor, okay. if you were Dr. David Bizarro. Okay, I'm with you. Do you, would you just maybe market yourself as Dr. Dave? Yeah, like Dr. Dave instances? or like Dr. Chill or like, yeah. you know, Dr. Dr. Netflix and Chill. Dr. Netflix and Chill, Dr. Relax you know, Yourself, I, I think... I'm totally not going to steal your childhood memories. <laughs> I, I just, I, I always could, I, I mean, I know that this is a convention of villains that we have in, in the Batman and in the comic universe in general, yeah. but just to have Dr. Hugo Strange <laughs> That always, that always a fucking relaxation, like spa <laughs> retreat and resort. Welcome yeah. to Doctor Strange's spa resort, the Yoka Springs. Like, like watching you do that right now, mm-hmm. I'm not relaxed at all. No. In fact, I'm more stressed out than when we started. And guess what? Everyone that goes to this resort leaves stressed out. Yeah. The funny thing so, was that like Batman. So normally Batman can infiltrate like a Roland Daggett company. He can go to a pharmaceutical right. plant and like he'll sneak in there in the middle of the night. He can normally do that. 
you can't really do that with Yucca Springs because he has to go under the guise of, well, not the guise, his actual identity of Bruce Wayne, and he has to infiltrate it that way. So it's just another great example of the writing of this show where they really do a nice job of balancing his time as Batman, his time as Bruce Wayne. They really do a, a great job of writing in plot things that allow Bruce Wayne to actually like live and breathe as a very rich individual in this city. But that was pretty and, cool. And, and the best part about all of this for me is that it, it continues to show something that we stressed last week that's very, very important, is that Batman's also an incredible detective. Oh, yeah. Which is He's doing... just completely left out of like modern mythology as far as the, the TV shows and the movies go. But I think right. So this is one of those fantastic things where you get to see him uh, being a detective as Bruce Wayne for a period of time. And then because of all the things that are, as, as you mentioned, Dave, Dr. Hugo Strange has created this device right. where when you go to Yucca Springs Resort, mm-hmm. you meet with Dr. Strange and he puts you, which is not relaxing at all, nope. given the accent. And the lab and coat and you, the glasses. <laughs> it's just, it seems like he's about to conduct weird experiments. Which is more or less what he's about to do. Exactly. So he has this device that sort of puts these two probes up to your forehead. And as you are talking about and reliving your childhood memories, it is projecting it on a screen. So the entire time that Hugo Strange is saying, oh, is, is this what happened in your childhood? Are, are, are these potentially moments or things that were impactful to you? He's watching it on a television yeah, monitor. He's not so showing it to thoughts... you. You're looking in the other direction. You don't know that he's got this right. recording behind you. Unlike the biggest screen I've ever seen, by the way. Yeah. yeah. Oof. Like, that is a sweet Samsung unit he's got it's going sweet. on there. It's an LCD backlit. It's very nice. 4K. Yeah. yeah. Ooh. Mm. So he's got your brain translating into a television program that only he's watching. Right. And then he's being such a quack doctor that he's telling you exactly what he's watching. It's like he's also recording, watching... it, by the way, which is pretty important. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And so this is where it's important because... You find out that he's been recording these memories from these notable rich people right. to use them as blackmail. And so uh, when we have uh, Judge Vargas, uh, she accidentally caused a fire. The great Gotham oh Dock God. fire. I did not see that coming. I thought it would have been like way more recent in her time. Like she got caught uh, taking bribes or she, you know, something else. Not when she was like a five-year-old child. She played with matches and burnt down the docks of a city. Yeah. What? Uh, it, it almost it, it begged the question. I know that this is this is how just how my brain works. But the moment I saw that, I was like, I wonder what the statute of limitations for arson is in Gotham City. Like that was an actual legitimate well, thought that, that popped fine, into my that was head. Like clearly, fifty fifty five years earlier. So the whole right. town might have been made of wood at that point. It was basically like <laughs> the O'Grady's cow in Chicago. Like, what are you gonna do? They rebuilt the city. Don't worry about it. Yeah, I love that. I love that she. Uh, conceivably someone else went through this with Strange and then continued to like refer rich and famous people back to Yucca Springs. They're like, oh right. no, it's totally great and fine and nothing weird and shitty happens at all. Please go to Yucca Springs. And the, the thing that makes that even more troubling, yeah. Dave, is that when you hear the recording uh, of Judge Vargas and she's recapping about her past, yeah. she's screaming in terror. Yeah, while she's <laughs> on like, her spa retreat. Yeah, why she, he's... He, Strange is sitting there prompting her, saying, did you maybe like to play with fire? Matches? Perhaps matches? Yeah. And she's like, oh, no. No. No, I don't, I don't want to talk about it. He's like, did you perchance... Oh, you're responsible for the great doc fire. And like, he <laughs> says that like in the first sentence. Yeah. She's like, no! So his, his whole thing is that, like, okay, if we extract these bad memories and we get you to talk about them, then you'll feel more relaxed and you'll be able to deal with it. Which is actually interesting because that's how... 
modern therapy kind of deals is trying to deal with PTSD. It's getting away from the don't it's it's getting away from the avoid this and don't think about it and getting more to let's talk about this as much as possible so that it has less of an effect on you. Right. So that's kind of interesting. I don't think they often like dig into your brain, record what happened and then sell it to the highest bidder, which is exactly what happens to Bruce Wayne because guess what? His childhood was pretty traumatic. Uh if you're not if you're not familiar with that story. <laughs> well, the best part is that as Bruce Wayne's billionaire playboy as his thoughts are being recorded yep. uh hugo strange is, is asking him questions like these leading questions about his parents and bruce wayne has the best response to that he goes yeah my my past about my family it's not a secret right everybody it's like knows. why did everybody knows Front that but stuff. he has this yeah. he has this great line where yeah he's just strange is prompting he's like did that make you want something did that make you go something and he goes yes i wanted vengeance and then there's just a batman symbol with a fist well, it like was just pumps. like a, a bunch of bats too that like blew up out of like the cave and then right. yeah, it just turned into that. And it's like, oh, well, that's pretty obvious, I would say. I do like that they kind of worked in the origin story of, of him losing his parents into that and not just like a specific standalone episode. Right. I mean, they might have played it more than that, but I like that, that part of it. So yeah, at this point, if you've been paying attention, Strange pretty much knows that Bruce Wayne is Batman and he has the quote unquote video proof to auction off. And now this is where we get into uh, bringing other villains in. Because what's Strange going to do with this? Is he going to blackmail Bruce Wayne for billions of dollars? For some reason, no. For some reason, no. You have a billionaire <laughs> with a deep, dark secret, and you don't blackmail him for billions. Instead, you call up the city's craziest criminals and auction this tape off to the highest oh bidder. My God. And so, rolling into this auction house, we have Joker. How yeah. great was his office and his voicemail, his answering machine? <laughs> it was fantastic. It's like his office <laughs> is like decked out in like, it's like, it looks like he set up shop in a carnival or like a fun house. And he's just got like Batman toys that are being like beheaded or like hit with a hammer and just like stuff like that all over his desk. And basically his answering machine has, has him like, Joker, yeah. And then like, he just goes on and says like, uh, you know, leave your message at the sound of the scream or something like that. And then he just has like a guy there that who knows what he's there for. There's just this person, this, this hostage he has that's just screaming while Joker's like laughing in the background. And that's his answering machine. I absolutely love that. Completely so insane. Good. But yeah, go ahead. So who do we have show up at this, uh, this resort to buy a Batman tape? Oh, so we get, we get Joker, Two-Face, Penguin. And they have all piled out of a plane, which... Good on them for being able to behave long enough to get on a flight. Yeah, for a couple, presumably a couple hours to to get outside of Gotham, and for not taking their own individual private jets. They actually like all got one together. Very it's efficient. Nice to see them care about the environment yeah. and really be considerate. It was nice, and bring your giant future... suitcase full of money too, which was good. Yeah, nice to see them being considerate of those future generations that they're trying to eliminate. Yeah, that they're trying to steal from and extort and probably right. murder. Uh, so here's really the the big part of the episode that we we should get into is they they have this moment in this auction house where you know they are uh, they're all being asked to bid against one another. Right. Yeah. At first, and, and it's it's kind of cool because you see like Joker's he's like wisecracking. He's taking this very lightly. He's not super serious. Right. And then like Two Face was I don't know. Would you say he was kind of the opposite? Two Face. Uh, 
he wanted it and he seemed to kind of be overreacting super you, angry the whole time the, the i mean the character has always right. had an anger problem and and you know has not been able to deal with it and so you know these moments where he's getting outbid he's making outlandish claims about how much money he's going to put down and so penguin's like a million he's like two million you know like right away i'm like that's not the way you bet yeah but that's like, how two-faced bets everything's two and he's so impatient that oh, he immediately man. outbids him i like that penguin was kind of like had a cool, calm demeanor, and he kept trying to like keep the peace between these crazies. Well, let, let's let me ask this: yeah. Did you notice that there was one thing that it seemed like the penguin was always doing in certain scenes? No, I didn't. Because I didn't notice that. for me, I always felt like he's drinking a cup of tea. Is he always drinking a cup of tea? <laughs> to There's make him so like... many moments where he's just <laughs> drinking. He's sipping from a cup of tea, and he's like, "Gentlemen, gentlemen, let's behave right now." It makes him a civilized gentleman. It really does. Yeah, it's, it's, such, nice it's, such a, it's such a funny little small niche thing to have him do that for some reason in all the Penguin episodes that I've watched, uh, I just, you see him just randomly doing he it. Just he just walks make around a, with a serving yeah. tray at the ready. He, doesn't, he does not make a big deal of it. He doesn't like try to cast a spotlight on the fact that he's drinking tea. He doesn't talk about it. Like it's it. just one of those awesome character traits that he has that just pops up. I like it. But that's, that's a great point for how these villains kind of distinguish themselves from one another now granted you're not going to confuse penguin for two-face for joker but it's it's great that within the scene when they're all interacting with each other they each have a very strong and distinct personality style and then like a visual tick that they happen right. to have too so it was, it was very well done so let's just we can jump to the the end of this episode with sort of this this whole reveal yeah real, real quick all i want to say is that during the auction spot because strange Strange is technically a villain in this sense, but he's kind of like a low-level villain. He's basically trying to like extort people for money. He's not very good at his job, and he's taking a really mad scientist kind of way around this. My favorite part is when he gathers the villains, and he says, I have incontrovertible proof of the identity of Batman, and then he holds out a tape to them that clearly just says Bruce Wayne down the spine of the tape. <laughs> so if that were me, I'd just be like, oh, it's Bruce Wayne. I'll see you later, and I'll keep my sack of money. Straight up, just like, oh, here it is. It's written right here. He's not the best. He's not the best. And then what made zero sense was all of them pulling their money together. Yeah. Did that make any I, sense? I didn't, I didn't quite understand the, the point behind pulling their money because it seemed like they ended up paying an astronomical amount for something that they probably could have gotten relatively on the cheap. Or just, you know, like knocked Strange out and took it from him or just stood up and read the damn tape. Or... Right. Again, strange. He got what, like sixty some million dollars out of it? Just extort Bruce Wayne, you'll get like ten times that. Easy. Yeah. He's a billionaire. He's you got fifty five million dollars and you could have extorted a billionaire. A billion. Except a I do billion. have to I do have to go to what was it, Dark Knight when um that guy tries to extort Bruce Wayne and Lucius Fox. He's like, Now let me get this straight. You think that your boss, who's a billionaire playboy of Gotham City, knocks criminals out by night and you want to blackmail him? He's like, go ahead. Yeah. It's like, what do you got to do? Like, by day, he's a billionaire, ton of power. By night, he's just going to kick your ass and just leave you hanging in the street. Yeah, that was a great moment yeah. in the movie. Yeah. There, it's funny. In this one, there's actually some, in these three episodes, there are some moments that show up in the movies, whether they're just, like, hinted at or whether they're just similar enough that it feels like somebody watched it at some point. But we'll talk about that. Oh, cool. Uh, so at the very end of this, we have all this stuff where Hugo Strange is asserting that Bruce Wayne is, in fact, Batman. 
and is is kind of screaming about this as he's being handcuffed and led to one of the Gotham PD dirigibles. And in this moment, suddenly we have Batman that's standing next to him, putting handcuffs on him. And then miraculously, we have Bruce Wayne. Yeah. Which that is just, just like, walks up what? in front of Strange and Commissioner Gordon and the rest of the police force. And they're just like, Oof, okay, you know, this, is, this is obvious. So I you're love, just like, yeah, oh. and I love it. Well, yeah, so Strange is like at that point, it's like, what, what? And then I love that Batman explains it away by like, he basically says to Strange, like, I knew what your plan was all along. That's why I had Mr. Wayne here help me expose your whole organization or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. They go through this whole thing. The uh, the Gotham PD Zeppelin goes back up into the sky <laughs> yeah. and leaves leaves them there. And Bruce Wayne is standing there talking with uh, with Batman and Alfred. Yep. And in that moment, suddenly Bruce Wayne's voice changes to that of Boy Wonder Dick Grayson. Never saw it coming. AKA Robin. Never saw it coming. <clears throat> he pulls off this mask, which was kind just of Tom Cruise head. in Mission Impossible just style, a straight up head just pulls off his face it's just john travolta face-offs mm-hmm. and then in that moment you see that he's you know much younger and he's like it was pretty good right he's like no impression of bruce wayne pretty good i should stop this crime fight and stuff just do impressions yeah. like yeah don't don't quit your day john and then he like, like lifts up his pant legs and he's like but i'll tell you what walking around these leg extensions is killing me so he's yeah. basically on these leg extensions <laughs> to make him taller now here's my question sean yeah great plan right sure sure whatever great plan Wow. Nailed it. Now, let's say that I was a, a crime fighting vigilante by night and I just basically wore like a mask that only obscured the top half of my face. Okay. And I need you to pretend to be me in person. So you need to show up as me. Right. Okay. Would it not make more sense for me to play me and you to play the person who's in a costume rather than just wear my face on your face? That I drove about me that. so crazy. Like Robin could have that. made, he could have at least passed as Batman in like a like a modded out bat suit or something because most of his face is covered up. Why would you make him Bruce Wayne, where it looks like he's literally just taking the skin and his skull off of his face to reveal a tiny child's head underneath? It was just like the most laughable thing I've ever seen on this show. Yeah, it was pretty ridiculous. I, I think a lot of it was just timing in the. You know, he had taken down and kind of grabbed Batman had taken down and take or taken down Joker, Two Face, and Penguin. They were being arrested. Right. Uh, Hugo Strange was being uh, detained, and so it was something where it was like he couldn't sneak away. He couldn't do a Plus, in the middle. He he could okay. build a Bruce Wayne suit that's passable, but he couldn't do a fucking switcheroo. He could well, you know, while they were me... being uh, read their Miranda rights or whatever passes for that in Gotham City. He couldn't have snuck off to the bathroom and just like. Change that like Superman? Come on, man. Uh, no, it was one of the weirder things. I, I, I thought about that a lot. Yeah. I thought that Do one of them, I knew that one of them was obviously going to pull their mask off, and yeah. I was like, which one? But it was so weird to just watch him pull his face off, though. That's all I got to say. Yeah, that was very bizarre. But it was a fun one. It wasn't my favorite of these three. Uh, the one we're going to talk about next, did you have anything else for, for that one? No. Okay, the one we're going to talk about next is actually like chock frickin' full of villains. Now, not all Oof. of them get they're due. Get a smorgasbord of villains going on in this episode. But not all of it them is. get like, I don't even think any of them, some of them don't get lines. Um, but it's interesting because this one actually takes place in Arkham Asylum. So right. the setup for this one, it's called The Trial. The setup for this one is there is a new DA in town and she is intent on cleaning up crime but she's also intent on eliminating the need for the Batman. 
So right. at the beginning, she basically wants to bring him in because she thinks he's just as dangerous and thinks he's above the law like all these villains do. So what's interesting is that a couple of the famous villainesses uh, get busted out of Arkham just enough to go kidnap this new DA because the villains are kind of concocting this interesting plan. Uh, do, you, do you want to walk through how Batman gets roped into all this? Because once they kidnap her, they have to get Batman in order for their plan to take effect. Right, so they, they leave a, a riddle, a note for Batman uh, that is, you know, come find me in the place where justice hangs in the balance. And so they, Batman being the, the detective wonder that he is, is like, okay, well, this is probably, probably Arkham Asylum, you know? Uh, so he, he heads out in that direction. And uh, this, is, this is such a, a great moment because he's, he's standing in this courtyard yeah. And ahead of him is sort of a shadowy figure wearing a cape. Yeah, and also and in, the, in the courtyard, there's just like a statue of Lady Justice. So she's got like one, a scale in one hand and a sword in the other, and she's got the blindfold around her eyes. Right. Too. Yeah. So, and we, we've got like a lot of other statues and like decorations yeah. that are in, this, in this, this area. And so this is just the best because it, when I think of Batman, sometimes I really think of the, the stealth component that's behind it. <laughs> um, I really think of kind of him you know, uh, doing surveillance and, and, and just kind of looking out and, and making sure that he's not going to enter into a situation where he's going to become vulnerable. Right. And in this moment, he's in this courtyard, he sees a shadowy cape over top of a figure, and he just pronounces like, whoever you are, come out. <laughs> and, and the thing, the person doesn't move. And so he goes, he goes, and he goes, attempts to tackle it. Turns out, it's just a statue. He just crushes like, the stone on. statue with his shoulder. He should have had like a separated broken shoulder at that point, but it's yeah, Batman, right? so he's fine. So this Lady Justice, as David mentioned, the statue that's behind him all of a sudden begins to move. Whoops. And it turns out it's Pamela Isley. Looking so good. And, and she is looking real good. And so she just aims that little crossbow that she has with a poison-tipped arrow, shoots Batman, knocks him out. And then they've basically got a DA and they've got Batman locked up and, like, super locked up. Like, he's in a straight jacket. Uh, I think he's got, like, chains around him that they're just, like, yeah. hauling him around by. And then <laughs> all of the inmates are basically, like, pouring out of this asylum. So you eventually find that... Uh, so Two-Face comes out and basically says to her, like, well, now that we've got our DA, you're going to defend the Batman, and I'm going to prosecute. And you're like... And we should mention this is, uh, this is D.A. Janet Van Dorn. Janet Van Dorn. Who is the defense attorney that's going to be in this. And we have Two-Face who's going to be the prosecutor. Yeah, exactly. So they set that up. So they set it up that Two-Face is prosecuting Batman. Janet Van Dorn is the defense. Now, remember that this D.A., the district attorney, is not a fan of Batman. So right. she has to defend him in this uh, jury full of loonies, basically. Because the loonies have taken over the asylum. You've got uh, on the on the jury as well. So you've got uh, two faces prosecuting. You've got Croc on the jury, Scarecrow, the ventriloquist, the Riddler, and then presiding over all of them, Judge Joker. Oh, you've also yep. got Harley and Poison Ivy on the on the jury as well. So of course, Judge Joker is presiding over all of this madness. Um, <laughs> I have to. I oh no, I got to save that quote till the end. I have a good Croc quote. You probably do too. Okay. Uh, yeah, so, so ladies and gents, Batman's on trial. That's the whole point of this thing. Batman is on trial. And the person and I, who I wants love, to put him away is defending him. Yeah. Right. And I love the fact that they frame this by saying that Batman is going to be judged by a jury of his peers. Yes. And you, you look at this motley crew and you think to yourself, oh, no. This, you, you really feel 
it reinforces the fact that this is such a kangaroo court oh, yeah. and that Batman is is so intentionally supposed to be screwed in this so screwed. this instance. Uh, but they're just dragging it out. But again, these moments that they have, I always kind of wonder. Batman is incapacitated. Right. They have him like he's being held. Yeah, and Harley takes his lift, belt too. Right. And they could lift up his cowl at he, any point yes. to discover who it is. They wait a long but yet, time to do that. Because because this because of this game that they set up for themselves, because of uh, maybe it's these villains being so prideful, or maybe it doesn't even matter who's behind them. I mask think it's just anymore. Joker being insane and basically just like, right. not until we decide whether he's guilty or innocent. Yeah. Right. So they, you know, they, they really, uh, they really kind of just proceed with this, this plan to, to convict him by going through this mock trial. And I love that it's, it's literally all of the villains that are called up to the stand to testify for no real reason. And then the defense attorney basically like picks them all apart and just realizes that they're all completely insane and that you know their, their point is that Batman made them how they are. So all of them right. are really upset with Batman. They're like, you know, I was a doctor. I was a psychologist. I was a practicing attorney. And then Batman came along and turned us into the monsters that we all are. Well, then the defense right. attorney goes up. She basically picks them apart and just she... She pushes all their buttons in the right way that makes them basically attack her on the stand, like each and every one of them <laughs> straight up attacks her. Like, oh, the Mad Hatter. I don't know if I said the Mad Hatter. He's in there oh, too. Oh, uh, Jervis. Yeah, Jervis Tetch, Mad Hatter. So he actually, she basically accuses him of uh, kidnapping and then mind controlling a woman because she did not like reciprocate his feelings. Right. And it was just such a creepy like Law and Order SVU moment. Uh, he's yeah. just like, no, that wasn't how it was at all. And then he like breaks down. He's like, well, what else was I supposed to do? And it's just like, you're so fucking uh, creepy, dude. But it's like, like Poison Ivy kind of blows up at him. And then, you know, the Scarecrow, I don't think, gets a line. He's just really creepy hanging out in the background a lot of the time. It's Same actually, uh, we should note this, that the, the reason that Scarecrow did not have any lines during this is because the voice actor who played him uh, Henry Pollock uh, was actually recuperating from a throat surgery. Oh, wow. So that's why he's in the like that's why he's with the jury yeah. but doesn't say anything i actually think that worked actor. a lot better because he was super creepy uh just yeah, like it, it was at very the weird. end he's like swinging a scythe around but it's just like like wordlessly he's not saying a damn yeah. thing it's super creepy <laughs> but that makes sense so okay so they go through all these villains we get a nice little bit of color for each of these villains and what they're about and then what's the verdict there buddy Ooh, I'm gonna go with the guilty you're gonna say guilty because i mean it's all these villains they're putting batman on trial it should probably be guilty right yeah, it should probably be guilty. Yeah, so what happens <gasps> is they basically decide that Batman's not guilty because right. they, she <laughs> says, she says that they were responsible for their own situation and Batman had nothing to do with it. And they were like, oh yeah, we agree. But guess what? It doesn't matter. Right. Because it's, it's an asylum <laughs> court and this Joker's is, in charge. This, this mock trial that we decided to do for shits oh, and giggles. God. Oh, did you, I love the fact that they were just like, when Joker Judge Joker prefaces this with saying like yeah, if he's guilty you know we're, oh, yeah. we're gonna kill him if he's not guilty then, you know we'll let him go free sure. like what part of hearing that come out of the Joker's mouth made you think oh yeah that's the truth look and that's exactly what Batman said to her from the beginning when they were like in the cell together right. he's like look uh, whatever you think about me just go through with this because otherwise they're gonna kill you so just play their yeah. game we'll figure something out and just go through with it which, again, this is a nice reinforcement of, again, something that we discussed last week, is that Batman's commitment to looking out for other people. Right. Like, 
his this this character you know that is so concerned and uh you know protective of the citizens of gotham city that he's like look this is a bad situation there's they're probably going to forget about you they're here to kill me let them attempt to kill me you need to get safe exactly yeah. And it's and then, actually, it's kind of nice because they kind of work together to get out of the whole thing. Uh, before we get to the final act of this, I do want to say when all the villains in the jury, they're kind of like clamoring and they're like, yeah, we want to, we want to punish him. We want to hang him, string him up, you know, take his mat, whatever. Killer Croc just yells, hit him with a rock. And I love his freaking love lines. Hit him with he a always rock. defaults back to hit him with a rock. And it just, it's just one of the funniest damn lines ever. Which is foreshadowing for the next yes, episode that we're going to talk about, too, which moment. is so fucking funny. Um, oh, my God. So eventually, you know, Batman and this DA, they kind of get out of there. They get chased throughout the asylum by all these villains. I think your favorite moment might have been the one where they have to go up against the uh, ventriloquist. Oh, so there's this moment where they're, they're, <laughs> <laughs> they're near the ventriloquist. If, for people who aren't familiar, right. uh, Arnold Wesker is a, an older, bald like white hair on the side man who wears a, a suit. Very meek. He uh, looks kind of nice. like Alfred if Alfred was even like mousier. Very, exactly. Perfect description of him. But he carries this small wooden puppet mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> that is known as the ventriloquist. And the ventriloquist is sort of like a Scarface. like an old timey Scarface. Scarface. Yeah, so, Scar- so Scarface is just this, this terrible wooden ventriloquist puppet that controls Arnold Wesker. And you, you would think, oh no, it's really one doing the other, but this is, it's Arnold's persona, it's Arnold's madness that has been encapsulated inside of this dummy. Uh, and, and surprisingly, the dummy is very abusive towards him yeah. um, and threatens him all the time. But in this and, moment- and literally in, hits him too. Right. In trial, there's this one fantastically comical moment where- uh, they're running towards the ventriloquist, and Batman just throws a batarang, and it cuts off uh, Scarface's head, and <laughs> just sends it, it flying across the it, room. It just clunks with this like hollow coconut sound on the ground, and just like gunk, gunk, gunk. But the mouth is still open, and it's still screaming. <laughs> so like Arnold had to have been like Wesker had to have been watching his persona's head like roll but you hear arnold at the same time like kind of screaming he's like no like don't hurt me so i have to say I, that like sean yeah go ahead you had your I, final thought there. i just don't i don't know why that was just such a funny scene to just see that puppet's head just get knocked off and then just roll look so sean and i went back and forth about kind of what our favorite villain a kind of obscure villain would be for this episode or for this podcast episode and honestly man i really struggled with ventriloquist because I think it's one of the creepiest, most disturbing villains out there because this guy, I understand it's a cartoon, but this guy is so committed to his act that the people around him are convinced that it's better to just listen to the dummy and not really pay attention to the guy standing behind him. Even Scarface calls him the dummy. He calls Wesker the dummy. And he's got everybody around him convinced that he's not just holding a doll, that he's really this like mousy, demure kind of, um, scared little guy that just is in the thrall of this dummy, and the dummy is the ruthless gangster that's like murdering people and robbing places. And it's just one of the most disturbing character profiles, even more so to me than the chaotic uh, evil of the Joker. You know, because he's unpredictable, but he's also very playful. Whereas this, the ventriloquist is just like deeply, deeply, 
deeply disturbed individual. Right. And I guess the thing that sort of makes me not feel as threatened by the ventriloquist by Scarface is that it's, I mean, like just knowing the simple fact that Scarface, yes, is a wooden puppet and just knowing the, the weird Stockholm syndrome yeah. that they, they almost have with each other, but realizing that it really is the entire time. It's just Wesker and Wesker is a very meek and, and timid individual. And so when Batman is fighting him nine times out of 10, he's just, he's going to knock out Wesker. Yeah. You know, it's just and, so and disarming because it's like all your focus. It's it's like a, a constant distraction because it's so well done that you're always right. your, your focus is always kind of shifting to the to the dummy. Now, granted, uh, ventriloquist always has like these goons with him, and that's who ends up sure. fighting Batman ninety nine percent of the time. And I think that I always feel uh, sympathetic towards Wesker because in these moments yes. where these things are happening, I always feel like he's the hostage in this but situation. But that's the thing, man. That's the real mind fuck here is because it's the same fucking guy. And that's what always I got know. me as a kid. It was like, Oh, I feel so bad for him. And then I'm like, but wait, it's the same guy. Like fucking dude, it's the same yeah. dude with these split personalities that like one is taking the other hostage, but it's the same guy. And that always just messed with my head as a kid. And it still does. It is. It's extremely creepy. It's, I mean, it's I, a great character. Uh, yeah, I would love absolutely. to see that like in live action because I feel like if done right, which would be tough, uh, it would just be like the creepiest thing ever. There's nothing right. creepier than just like a dummy sitting in the corner by itself because you just wait for it to come to life. I also think that you're right that this would be a fantastic villain for live action because as we've mentioned sort of the, the hierarchy between thugs and villains. Um, he could be either like a, you know, like a thug that's in charge of a, yeah. a gang, like a higher level thug. Right. You know, I mean, he's really, he really is sort of on the lower level tier yeah, of, of, of villains, you know, per se. Like, you know, he's, he's just crazy, you know. And, but when you look at sort of the, the mental element that's present in each one of these characters that we're talking about, none of them, very few of them actually have real superpowers. No, and that's what's very great about them, Batman in general. And then most, like, right. honestly, like, Killer Croc is the only one that's arguably, like, the most superhuman of all of them, just because he's like, Oh, I was going to say, I was going to, I'm going to disagree with you and just say that it's Clayface. Oh yeah. We haven't talked about him yet, but yeah, definitely Clayface is like one of the few that like starts to get super powered. Yeah. Right. And so he's really, I feel like the only, I would agree with you that killer croc. Yes. Just for the, the strength. And we have Bane that comes in later in one episode towards the end of the series. But With him, it's kind of like with poison Ivy, she has like chemical control over plants that can be explained away by her, like profession as like a botanist in a past life or whatever, which is kind of like a little wishy-washy, but it's the same thing with Bane where he just uses that venom chemical to like really jack him up. And that's a way to enhance the, the danger level. But I love that most of these villains are just crazy people. With various different just, psychoses, yeah. I just wanted to get that little bit of Bane in there Bane in so there. that we could get you talking about Venom, which means that we've brought up yet another drug within the cartoon universe. Oh, nicely done. I don't know if I recommend Cops. Venom. I definitely recommend Venom. Um, <laughs> crap, what was the one we talked about the other week that was great? Oh, Bloody Eye. Bloody, Bloody Eye. is fantastic. Bloody and Eye Cowboy versus Bebop. Bane Venom would be a fantastic uh, matchup. You got to mix them both together. Oh, God, and then just immediately die. Just Bloody Venom. Oh, God. Yeah. And then die. It's just called blood. And now you're bleeding to death. <laughs> but yeah, so the end of this episode, without getting to the, the, the plot or anything here, there's like a final standoff between Batman and Joker 
which ends with both of them kind of like hanging off the side of this building. And it just reminded me of the end, well, towards the end of the Dark Knight, where right. it's, it's, you know, Bale's uh, Batman and Heath Ledger's R.I.P. Joker. And they're just kind of hanging there and they have that moment like, that's where he says, I think we're destined to do this forever. And I just love that that moment kind of like reflected the, the cartoon moment. I thought that was pretty yeah. good. Yeah. That's a great parallel to draw. Anything else from the trial? Now let's move on to this last let's episode that our, we watched. This so was this one of my a, favorites, definitely of the night, but one of my favorite episodes ever. I think. Yeah, this is a this is a great episode. Almost got him. Almost got him. Almost got him. And we we were joking a little bit about the the idea of villains socializing earlier, and this is why we were making those right. uh, quips is because we have this moment where all of these villains that we have come to to know and love and that we've talked about so far are simply hanging around in presumably a like a uh, some type of a larger hall with a bunch yeah. of other thugs Some like and they are just dive bar yeah right and they are just they're playing a game of of joker playing a game of joker <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> no i like it because honestly they were playing a game of joker yeah of course not to, not to give any spoilers away but they are playing a game of joker <laughs> they're not playing poker they're playing joker <laughs> it's, the, it's the gotham card games I honestly think that anytime somebody's playing a game with the Joker, you're just like, oh, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm screwed. You're just biding like, your time that, to die, basically. Yeah, yeah. The, the house is stacked against yeah. you at this point. But no, you do. Justin Bale. So we do have. Christian Bale. Christian Bale. Uh, so we do have Joker, Penguin, Two-Face, and Killer Croc sitting around the table <laughs> playing poker at this point. And my favorite. Penguin's got a cup of tea. He's got his cup of tea. I would love to play cards against like Killer Croc. He's basically like playing against a Wookiee. Like I would just let that dude win no matter what. But oh yeah. Uh-huh. But I love the entrance that comes up next because Poison Ivy actually just like busts her way into this place. Right. She shows up at the table. I think was it Killer Croc <laughs> said like no girls allowed or something ridiculous like that. Yeah. And then some she, sexist bullshit. And then she just like kicks the chair out from under him. He busts his chin on the table, and then she just like flips him over into a, a table behind her. Yeah, she like knees him knees and she knees him in the chin yeah. and then just fucking throws him over yeah, his shoulder. She just judo tosses him onto a table <laughs> and then it's just a great entrance. And they're like, all right, make, make some room for the lady. So they deal her in. So there, there's this wonderful moment uh, sort of where Harvey and Poison Ivy oh, begin, yeah. begin arguing. That's right. And everybody's just kind of like looking back and forth at the two yeah, of them. They're not, they're not getting and, in the middle of it. And, and uh, Ivy just goes, we used to date. Which is a great callback because I think when he before he was, one, he was, of, it was one of the earliest episodes yeah it was before you knew who she was really and right. then before he was two-faced she actually yeah they went out on a date and then they, mm-hmm. they would have made super hot babies but now they would have made super weird deformed plant babies so it's yeah. probably best that they don't but while this is all happening and they're like all making small talk there's a great bit of camera work and animation where they show everybody in the foreground and then in the background there's kind of like this this low light very noir look where it's just a light from a lamp shining down onto a table, and you see Croc stand up, get in like a little argument with a guy, and then just throw the guy across the room, and then <laughs> yeah. come back into the foreground. But it's such like a black and white moment in the background. It was just beautifully shot and absolutely hilarious. It really just reinforces just how threatening Killer Croc yeah. is in, in all of this. I mean, he's, he's massive. And if you ever read any comic books with Killer Croc, I mean, in this instance of killer croc in batman tas he's uh, you know he's he's a little bit taller than a, a regular sized man yeah. um just the the gray skin the scales the teeth. and everything that he yeah. has is in the he's teeth are just disgusting 
always shirtless. He's always throwing people always left and right. But then you realize that this is one of the least intimidating versions of Killer Croc yes. that they have in the DC universe. Anytime you see him and stuff, he is enormous. He is Yeah, like in the video huge. games or in the new right. Suicide Squad. He's not huge, huge in the Suicide Squad, like monstrous, but he's still right. a pretty big dude. But I mean, he is such an intimidating, and you have to realize, like, he, it's a giant, it's a human crocodile mm-hmm. that bites, that bites and tries to rip and kill people. And just like eats human flesh. Yeah, and just eats <laughs> human flesh. And that's, that's what he's done they in toned the it comic down a little books. Bit for, the, for the kids' oh, show. Yeah. I always yeah. loved Killer Croc, though, because he was just like this big, dumb idiot most of the time. God, All right, so we got this game of Joker going on. But then there's this side game called Almost Got Him, right? Yeah. So this is just kind of like you go around the table. It's almost like telling your best, I don't know, if you're golf buddies, like talking about your best round of golf or, or if whatever. you're fishing, you're fishing, your best fish story, fish tale, big fish tale. Yeah. Same kind of thing. So like all these villains are like, man, there was that one time I almost got Batman. And everybody's like, eh, I bet you I was a lot closer, but you know, whatever you think. They are, let's be honest, they are some crappy, crappy fucking stories. Yeah, they're, no, I thought they were great, not for how, a, a how, couple, like, a couple look, of look, them, look, not for like good. how good, how like well conceived and planned and thought out they were, because they was shit, but for, for showing the, showing their character, right? Showing sure. how, showing their unique sides and their, their character traits and what made them yes. the villain that they were, because these guys go all out. You know, I'm talking like, I'm talking all out comic book craziness here. So like you've got a plant uh, villainous, guess what? There's going to be crazy plants involved. You've got a, a sh- bird man. There's going to be crazy bird shit involved. Like they really went full bore with this thing. I love yeah. these stories. So we get this whole thing with, with Pamela Isley. Yeah, she's first up. Who, yeah. She's got poison. She's got poison pumpkins oh, yeah. that blow up, that blow up in a field <laughs> and she gasses Batman and he calls for the Batmobile comes to his assist and then he captures her, and you're just like, the end. "Wait, that's that's when you almost that's got him." That's the best I'm she's like, ever uh, done. That's probably. It doesn't uh, feel like the best that she's ever she done. She had a couple like, moments where she was like, "All right," she lured him to this place. She kind of knocked him around a little bit, but then literally just got run over by the Batmobile. <laughs> right. It's like, ugh, that was pretty bad. <laughs> yeah. But you're real hot. So we get though, two. So we'll let it go. I'm gonna. I'm gonna allow it. We get Two Face, who probably has one of my favorite stories. Amazing, amazing this little is, vignette. And and you had mentioned this earlier. He has his uh, his two ton gang. Two ton gang. And uh, they capture Batman, tie him to a giant this giant penny, and they put it on a on like a a, t- like a teeter totter yeah. on a seesaw. Which and then you find land, in every bank uh, across this sure. great nation of ours a, a giant seesaw for adults and giant penny and a giant yes. penny <laughs> and just a giant. They must have been lugging that fucking thing around. That, I mean, two ton gang was probably just rolling it down the street, and they they <laughs> stole exactly what was it two million dollars in two dollar bills. I have to say, right. yeah. crazy so, pot. They they tie Batman to the coin, and on the other end of the seesaw, they are about to drop weights so no, that no. it shoots Batman up. Not just weights. They're, oh, it was like gold, they're dropping gold a pyramid bullion. of gold bars held up on a forklift. <laughs> like everything about this story is nuts, and I love it. Yeah. <laughs> so the the whole idea for this is that uh, you know, they're uh, Two Face flips his coin, and it lands on uh, it lands on the heads with the scratches yeah. on. So he's got it. he's so, got that what two sided what silver dollar a one heads all yeah. one sides all scratched up. So that's bad. Though. Right. So he he flips it. It does not come up well for batman so he's like you're gonna die batman do you remember his line 
when he's given him the no. options. So Batman's he's uh, tied, you know, he's spread eagle like Da Vinci, Da Vinci's uh, Vitruvian man on this right. penny, right? He's tied on his back, and <clears throat> Two Face looks at him. He's like, "If the dollar comes, up, if the coin comes up good, or no, if it, if it comes up bad, we're gonna flip you in the air and smash you on the ground, killing you instantly. And if you land heads up, it's just gonna break every bone in your body." <laughs> I fucking love that. It was such a great villain line, man. It's like, you're either going to be mushed or you're going to be paralyzed for life. Oh, God. Well, let's, let's talk about that in a second yeah. because uh, Batman lunges and, and manages to grab Two-Face's silver dollar. Right. As he's tied to the coin, he uses that silver dollar to begin to cut at the ropes. Yeah, he, he grabs it right before they flip him in the air. So now he's flipping through the air, but he's got that little coin which he can, yeah, cut through his ropes, right? Batman jumps off of the flipping coin. Oh. That giant coin yep. lands on two other thugs oh, that are running away. Man. And just and it hits them. Now again, this is a little physics uh-huh. note. It hits them with enough force that it bounces off of yes. them. Which means they are dead. Oh, they're super they dead. They are D E D dead. They dead. That's two tons of dead right there. I was just like, wow, they went there. Just flatten those thugs. When that happened and both of those guys just went on the ground, I I like I did the like <laughs> I did the I held my breath in a way where I put my hand over yeah, my mouth like, like oh shit <laughs> those guys are oh dead. fuck they're just puddles on the ground it's two tons <laughs> of puddle and I realized like Batman jumped off that coin in a way that would have directed that coin potentially towards those two thugs I was like Batman just killed those yeah, two he dudes murdered him with a giant penny oh my god um. So that was but needless so to he say, did, he didn't get Batman. He ends up what? Batman like tosses him into a pile of coins. Yeah, he like punches him, punches him mm-hmm. into like a like a bag of coins that just empty out on him. And end the story. Just I think he gives him his, he gives him his dollar back. He's like, here, I owe you a dollar, and he like puts oh, his bad right. coin back at him, just be like, fuck you. <laughs> God. I used this to get out Insult and kill two of your thugs. Oh, I think he. So, oh, he had. There were four guys. So each of those guys must have weighed like. 500 pounds? Does that even make sense? There had to be more people. Two tons? That's crazy. All right, so... Um, we have, there had to we be have like eight, dude. possibly... Sorry. <laughs> so he, he, he kills two of them with a giant penny, and then he like leaves two of them pinned up under that forklift, I think. That was a crazy right. thing. Okay, I just wanted to make sure we weren't leaving any thugs out. Yeah. So now comes my favorite story oh, of the night. Oh, this is the best. And I got to do the first one, so I'll get this argue- one's yours. Arguably the best. It's the best. Clearly the shortest. Best and the worst at the same time. Killer Croc. Worse than, I- worse than Ivy's. Killer Croc mm-hmm. is just like, I have the best story. I almost got him. He's I almost got him. Like, oh yeah, what'd you do, Croc? He's like, threw a rock at him. <laughs> I lo- no, I love his setup though, because he's like, oh, I was hiding in the shadows. Batman was creeping around in my cave. And as he got closer, and everybody's like, yeah? Why? What'd you do? I throw a rock at him. And I'm just like, all right, and next. What happens next? And he just like looks around the, smiling at everybody. The best. Uh, because it just, it pans over a bunch of blank stairs yep. from Joker. And like the lamplight is just like swinging angle. above him. And they, and they are silent. Like there is like a good 15, 20 second silence. He's just smiling. Where nobody's saying shit. So, and, and then somebody's kind of like, Let's just move on. And then he just, he follows it up with just going, it was a, it big, was rock. a big rock. Sure. That's the best. You, and you, you know why a... it's the best? 
It's the best for a reason we'll tell you in about five minutes, probably. Yes, absolutely. So let me get into Penguin. Which was and, honestly as you probably the, the best. The Penguin one is, is you think about the strategy just of all of these villains, you know, just related to what they're doing and what's in their wheelhouse. And the Penguin one really shines through. And, and what they were after, right? So Poison Ivy was just trying to lure Batman in. So she poisoned right. the entire town to make everybody itch so that he would come after her. Crazy. And then Two-Face is after $2 million in $2, million, in $2 bills. Also crazy, but at least he's getting money. Killer Croc is Killer Croc. Penguin, do you remember what he's, he was after? Uh, he was after, um, oh, he was going to steal a uh, breeding condor from the zoo. Yeah. Breeding condor from the zoo. Because he's a bird yep. crazy man. Yep. Ugh. Ugh. <laughs> of all the so, things. And then such an elaborate plan. I love that we plan. just synchronized our yucks. We like, we were like, ugh. ugh. But his, his yeah. elaborate plan to get away with this if he was ever followed back to his aviary by the Batman, which, of course, he frickin' was. Right. Uh, please walk me through this. I love it, and I so, hate it at the same time. So Penguin leaks out that he is going to steal these breeding condors, and he says he leaks the, this information out into the underground two weeks in advance. That's right. Give him plenty and of so time. And so the night of, plenty of time. night of, he knows what he's doing. So as Penguin is about to break in, uh, Batman cuts him off, stops yep. him. Penguin tries to uh, tries to attack and is just like, "Oh no, I must have brought the wrong umbrella." <laughs> uh, runs into uh, runs into this part of the zoo. Batman follows, and this is what I love about some of Penguin's schemes. Yeah, this is his aviary. Is that right? everything? Everything's a trap. Yeah. Everything's a trap. He loves these traps, and I love seeing Batman walk into them because Batman in his uh, in his pursuit, runs into this aviary, lights are out. Yep. And then there's just a giant spotlight that shines down on Batman, and you see sort of that silhouette, and you hear just that penguin voice over the radio that's just like, you've walked right into my trap. And that's at the moment where the door comes to like a solid right. like Thunk. iron bar. Shunk. This is You're the like, oh, most secure aviary in the world. Like, yeah. if, if nuclear fallout ever happens, go to this aviary. You'll be more or less fine. So you find out that the, 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 the wrong umbrella with the, the gas that Penguin has hit Batman with earlier mm-hmm. has, a, uh, has a certain pheromone, or it was, I think it was like a food supply or something yeah, like some that. Yeah, some kind of chemical is... attractant for these weird little things. Right. So it has some pheromone that these birds... These like small hummingbirds Hummingbird. that penguin yeah. hem, that penguin unleashes, uh, they're attracted to. But guess what? Hmm. It's not the poison that he sprayed them with that's a problem. It's the poison-tipped hummingbirds oh. that are going to attempt to get that food. Tiny beaks. Uh, yeah, those tiny little beaks. So Batman, being again the genius detective that he is, throws a batarang up into the ceiling, uh, hits a, a fire uh, an emergency fire. fire thank you. An emergency fire sprinkler. Water comes down, knocks these little hummingbirds. I love, I love not only that, like these hummingbirds are so weak that uh, water it knocks them out, which is fine. But I also love that if this was like Zack Snyder's Batman, he would have just like thunderclapped every single one of these hummingbirds into like bird paste on his hands. Yeah, he would have just smashed these little shits into paste. But no, he did the humane thing and he just drowned them instead. So. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think that sometimes hummingbirds are just like, oh no, water, my, my natural weakness. enemy. <laughs> they just can never go out when it rains. Yeah, That's right. Ridiculous. Mom, can we go out? No, we live in Seattle and it rains here all the time. Mm-hmm. 
We're hummingbirds, and we picked a really bad location. Your dad made a poor decision, but we'll have to live with it. So what else is in this aviary? In this aviary is this giant, look like an ostrich. It's a cassowary. A cassowary? Cassowary. Yep. Get the fuck I only out. know the word cassowary because I watched this show when I was a kid. This thing scared the shit out of me. So I was like, I will never fuck with a cassowary. I think it's like yeah. a big uh, New Zealand flightless bird. And okay. they do actually have really nasty claws. Talons. Oof. Well, this thing begins attacking Batman as he's about to inject uh, like an antidote right. into him that's supposed to neutralize the, the hummingbird's poison. Right. So I love that his this... belt has anti-everything venom. Oh, God. The belt's the best. <laughs> just, just in case I run up against Penguin today, I will ring my anti-hummingbird venom kit. I mean, you think about it. The, the, real, the real spotlight of this, this show and Batman in general is that belt. Oh, yeah. Anytime he gets captured, it's the first thing that they take I, off. They're I like, would watch an your little entire toys. episode of just him being like, who am I going after today? What shit do I need to pack in this belt? Like, he can't have all that stuff on there all the time, right? No. He's got to have, maybe he's got different belts. Maybe he's got like a, maybe Alfred has like a preordained system of what he has to pack. I bet you Alfred spends a good portion of his day making the bed, making meals, and then packing that belt. Betcha that's all he does. It's a lot of stuff Pack going on. A lot of chores. Alfred. Yeah. So we get this moment where this cassowary? Yeah, cassowary. Yep. Cassowary. Mm-hmm. Sounds like a delicious food item. It is a murder bird. <laughs> so murder bird mm-hmm. is attacking Perfect. him. He pulls up uh, weakened on the ground hummingbirds, right. allergic to water hummingbirds. Good thing he didn't smash them. S- and stabs Murderbird <laughs> in the leg. Right. And Murderbird's like, I'm fucking out. Yeah. Big Bird's on his way out there. In that moment, Penguin is like, oh, no, I fucked up. Yeah, he's like, I'm out of birds. I'm, I'm, de- I'm dead. I'm out of birds. I'm out what of is birds. He, does he trap him in like, oh, no, that was a different Batman cartoon. I thought he trapped him in like a giant cage, like a bird cage kind of thing. No, he doesn't. At the very end of this, you see Penguin has his umbrella, uh, helicopter umbrella. Right. And he's, uh, he's outside in this, this little moment. And he's, he's just trucking away yeah. up into the sky <laughs> like piero le fou yeah exactly all right so that's pretty much everybody right except uh nope. oh, who's left oh we got the joker oh joker i feel like he had an ace up his sleeve uh, yeah take it yeah bringing that bringing them quotes bringing in them cod quote uh, river boat gambler so this is actually great because his story introduces two more villains question mark um because he cuts to his story. He's like, well, you guys are all pretty good, but you all pale in comparison to me. So let me tell you how I almost got him. And he basically cuts to, cuts to Harley in like black and white. And she's narrating. She's acting as like the announcer for this game show that Joker has more or less taken over. So he's basically knocked out Jimmy Kimmel, taken over the studio, and is now running. It's actually, the show. show the show itself is called Late Night Gotham Live. Late Night Gotham Live featuring Jimmy Kimmel, but now featuring the Joker. So he's taken over the show <laughs> and he... You know, he's also taking over the audience and he's basically like pumping this laughing gas into the audience like he does. And then his very special guest, you might have guessed, is Batman. And Batman is plugged into what, my friend? It is a, (laughs) it is a, an electric chair that has a laugh meter attached to it. It was just like a, so that the more you laugh, the more it electrocutes Batman. Oh man. And even just like a little chuckle. What what did Harley do first? Because they were like, before she started reading the phone book. She goes up to it and she goes, <laughs> and, it, and like it just cues but up he's still the like, machine, like it's like zapping him quite a bit. Yeah. yeah. So that was the whole thing. Um, and then I was like, well, how's he gonna get out of this? He's already strapped to the thing. Right. He doesn't have his utility belt. 
The audience is laughing like crazy. The power's starting to fluctuate. It's zapping them so much. Out of nowhere... You could think to yourself, what's going to happen right meow? Ah, that might have given you a good clue, I think. Because now we yeah. introduce a not-villain this time, actually a, a super-hot anti-hero. Catwoman mm-hmm. shows up and actually helps Batman out of, a, out of the jam. Yeah. And you would think that this would kind of be like the end of Joker's story. But what actually happens is Batman gets out, but then as Catwoman is trying to get away, they actually knock her out instead. So now they have <laughs> Catwoman kidnapped. Kitty cat kidnapped. Which right. they used to lure Batman. Actually, I don't even think their plan was to lure Batman. They were just going to take out Catwoman. They basically right. take her to this factory, this like kitty cat food uh, factory. Put her on, as, as typical villains do, put her on this assembly line, this, uh, this conveyor belt. Conveyor into belt. Into this crazy looking contraption that's just going to grind her up and turn her into cat chow. But they had no plans to like lure Batman there, right? I mean, seemingly no. No, because guess who is somewhere in this room trying to find out the location of Catwoman? Go ahead. Give it, it, you, you give us the big reveal here. It's actually Could a two-part be... reveal, which was fantastic. <clears throat> yeah, so... The best part of this is that uh, as Joker is explaining his story and where he has, he has held Catwoman and what his plan is to, to dispose of her, uh, Killer Croc just kind of suddenly steps up, uh, stands up and all of a sudden you hear him talk in a voice that's really not his. Right. And you're like, what the heck? And they have this great moment uh, because what happens is, is Killer Croc grabs the Joker and just throws him into a table. <laughs> And you're like, the fuck is going Joker on right now? Joker lands upside down, and he's just like, was it something I said? <laughs> <laughs> and so in this As moment... As the light swinging back and forth, yeah. Yes, that's the, this perfect shot that they have of the light swinging over top of Killer Croc, and it reveals the, the, the outline of Batman, the, just the, like the, the cowl, cowl on yeah. top of him. And so he goes, no, it couldn't be. And you're like, yep, it's absolutely Batman. So and, then, uh, yeah, like, so all, all the of these villains, villains just like draw down on them. They're like, well, this wasn't real smart because you're not going to beat all of us here. You're not walking no, out of this live. This. And in this moment, Batman's just like, no, don't worry. I'm also pretty good at uh, pretty good at setting at, traps, too. Yep. And he just like raises his arms like a like a thug, like a straight boss. Yeah, <laughs> just raises his arms. And then all of the random background thugs yep. that are in this this dank pool hall card place yep. just suddenly uh, take off all of their undercover clothes and they reveal that they is all of Gotham PD. Yeah, all of them. Like anything else, if you wanted to pull any kind of crime in Gotham, this was the night Now would have been the because time. Because all the cops were there. And they spent a good 45 seconds just like throwing off trench coats and drawing and cocking <laughs> guns. Like the, the sound effects in this scene were fantastic. So we still have this outstanding issue of taking care of Catwoman. Yeah. Now she has helped Batman in this right. uh earlier with uh the Joker threat that he had he had mentioned that it happened the night before. Right. During his story. Correct. So they haven't been like holding Catwoman for an incredibly long nah, time. Yeah, but they've been, also but, just yeah, like held her on a <clears throat> conveyor belt and just like waited to turn it on for some reason. Yeah. Right. So Batman shows up at this cat food factory. Harley's there and she's like, don't you dare come any closer. Batman obviously is going to begin to come closer. She hits the switch to begin the conveyor belt. So Catwoman is going towards her death. Batman flies down towards Harley. And Harley is just like, what are you going to do? 
you gonna catch me and break all my bones, or are you gonna save your your cat lady? And in that moment, the camera pans over to the right because she's she's making the assertion. She's like, "There's no way you can yeah, possibly, possibly do both." Yeah. So the camera pans over to the right to show like a like one of those like giant comical like utility power switches, right. and Batman just opens the box, flicks the switch. <laughs> And it powers down all the machinery inside the factory. And she just looks at him. She goes, oh, nuts. And then as the camera like pans away, you just hear, you don't see this. You just hear the sound of like thump, thump. So he's just like wailing on her. Now, the next thing you yeah, see is him like hauling her out so to the cops. Threatening. But it's just like, holy hell, she just got her ass beat by Batman. Like real bad. <laughs> and then the greatest part maybe of this episode is there's, this there's is the best, one this more almost part. got him, right? Right. All right. Do you want to, do you want to walk us through it? We have this very tender moment with Catwoman and Batman up on the rooftop. Right. And she's like she's looking at him saying, you know, maybe there maybe there could be a life outside of being vigilantes. Maybe there could be a life for us. Right. Maybe there could be a life for the both of us without these masks. And as she's monologuing about this, she turns away from Batman for 2 seconds. And in that one second, just Batman has just jumped off the side of his roof. He's basically like, like maybe, and then just like whoosh, yeah. into the wind. Like, like a true guy that's scared of relationships. He's, he woke he up the next jumps. one. He's like, I got to go. I'll see you later. He just jumps off the side of a building no to avoid a lady. Yep. <laughs> and Catwoman just sort of looks out as he's gliding away and just goes, almost got him. It was great, man. I love this episode. Great moment. There were so many great moments, things you didn't see coming. Batman as Killer Croc, who, first of all, it's great when you go back and look at it because that means Poison Ivy beat the shit out of Batman, but he had to keep his cool and, like, stay in character. He also had to be dumb enough to be Croc. He also probably had to take Croc out at some point, so Croc is somewhere at this point. Um, Right. Just so many cool little, like, tricks, and then, obviously, the Joker's big um, reveal at the end of it, too. What a great episode, Yeah. I know we're super, Fantastic. super long on time, but I don't care because it's our 100th episode. We'll talk as long as we want. Sean and Doing I have it. a couple more villains to talk about before we turn it over to our friends. It's so weird to see all of them just like sitting along the wall here waiting for their chance to speak. <laughs> they haven't made a peep this entire time. I'm really impressed. I think Evan's sleeping, but other than that, he's fine. Uh, but yeah, so Sean and I have a couple villains, maybe obscure for some of you, maybe not so much for others, but Sean, buddy... What was one of your favorite villains from this series and maybe a favorite moment that stuck out from your childhood? So I, I will say that my, my favorite villain from this entire series is actually the Joker. Okay, cool. I, I really, do, really do love all of his moments. I, the voice acting uh, from Mark Hamill, just the, the weird, chaotic nature, the, the, the fashion, the fashion on the, the Joker fashion. sometimes. With the, the purple suits and everything, it's just, it's so much fun, but, you know, he just, this version of the Joker always seems politely threatening to me, if that makes he, sense. He seems jovial. He seems like he's not immediately going to kill you, but then you right. soon figure out that there's something very, very wrong. Uh, the thing that's always crazy for this version of the Joker is that he seems that he's way more into the humiliation yeah. of Batman than he is in the actual murder of Batman. Yeah. And, and I, I think I kind of always enjoyed sort of the, the banter or the back and forth that they had throughout the, the entire series. I will say, though, that for favorite moments mm-hmm. uh, in the series, my favorite moment 
um, is is actually pretty early on in the the series, um, and it is a it's an episode that's called a Feet of Clay, mm. uh, Part One, and this is the introduction of Clayface into this universe. Now I know that we've talked about sort of the the Clayface character and sort of him having these supernatural powers uh, to be able to manipulate uh, all of his body. Um, but it wasn't that. I think the thing that was sometimes the most disturbing mm-hmm. aspect of the Clayface character is that he could manipulate and turn himself into anybody. Or anything. At any given time. Sometimes, too. Um, yeah. And so, and yes, into any person or thing. It, was, it seemed so destructive in nature that when he would turn his hand into a giant wrecking ball yeah. and punch the side of a building, yeah. um, he just seemed just so angry and... and it wasn't the anger. It was the ability to, to do something that Batman does so well, mm. which is the infiltration and the stealth. Right. And, yeah, because uh, you could literally beat anyone. Clay- so Batman, you know, for a while, didn't even know who really to look for because he could have just been anyone. Right. And we have this version of, of Clayface that is doing this as, uh, as Matt Hagen. Because there are, there are multiple Clayfaces through the DC universe, but we have Matt Hagen who's doing this as an actor, which I guess because I was, you know, in you know middle school and and just kind of starting to do some theater mm-hmm. and starting to act, I guess that's kind of why I liked that character. It's funny I have a similar kind of story for why I picked mine tonight, which is okay. a tease. Yeah, cool. Um, I'm gonna assume it's just uh, Grey Ghost. Uh, <laughs> Back when I was a kid, um, I was a 1950s villain or a 1950s crime fighter. This would be the best time for you to just be like, this entire time that we've been doing this podcast, Sean, I'm really just an apparition. Yeah, just been like, oh, first, fuck. this is recorded evidence of ghost speak. Nice. Mm-hmm. So the the whole idea that uh, Clayface could be anybody, could be anything. There were always those moments that were in episodes where I thought to myself, oh, you know what a great reveal would be right now? That 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 person, that villain, that thing. Whatever it is, is just Clayface. Yeah, any episode ever. Like it, it could have happened at any yeah. time, and I think that that's what made him, in my mind, such a threat. Uh, was that he was able to to do that? That he was able to be present even when uh, he didn't really need to be. He could impersonate any other villain, right. you know, and and go through that. And that to me, that kind of freaked me out because you never knew what you were actually getting yourself into. Which, as I've mentioned, Batman's always kind of that the the hero who really kind of He's not going to enter into a situation without, you know, uh, viewing a path for success. Yeah. You know, to to beat that villain and the Clayface uh, that we saw on this show sort of uh, kind of screwed with that a little bit for me. I was always a little bit nervous. Yeah, that's good to always so, introduce that kind of like dramatic tension. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's a great so great Dave, idea I'm, for the comics as well. Yes. So Dave, I'm dying to know favorite villain and, and favorite moment. So. I'm pretty sure that my favorite villain from this series only appears in the series. I couldn't find evidence of him in the comics anywhere. I couldn't really find a whole lot on him in general elsewhere, but he always has like kind of stuck in my memory and he actually appears in two different episodes. And I thought that when I saw Batman begins, I thought there was like a chance I was going to actually see this villain pop up at least as like an Easter egg, but that didn't actually happen. Even though there are moments that are kind of similar. One of my favorite obscure villains, and, and granted, I talked about, um, we talked about Ventriloquist. I thought about maybe talking about the Clock King, because that was one of my favorite kind of like cerebral villains. I okay. even thought about talk, uh, bringing up the Sewer King, which everybody hates, but I absolutely love. I'm going to go with Kyodai Ken, 
Really? Jodai Ken. Okay. He was the samurai, correct? He was a ninja. Because when okay. there's, there's a two-parter, there's Night of the Ninja and Day of the Samurai. It's the 35th and the 55th episode, right? So Kyodai Ken shows up in both of these. And basically, you get this cool kind of um, story within a story. You get this cool flashback sequence in, I think, both of them, <clears throat> where you go back to Bruce Wayne. His time as like a, a fairly young man in this dojo in Japan where he was learning all his martial arts skills. And there was this other guy named Kyodai Ken who was definitely a, a native, but he was a real jerk. And he was basically training with Bruce, but Bruce would always like show him up and like um, basically win the bout, and he made Kyodai look bad. I also always love the name Kyodai. I'll say it as many times as I possibly can on this show. Um, <laughs> so they have this, in Night of the Ninja, Kyodai shows up and he starts doing all his ninja stuff, and he's, you know, he's causing trouble in the city. There's, there's crime rising there's a lot of theft and it's this uh, stealthy kind of ninja he ends up having this altercation with bruce wayne and they they rekindle this old feud that they had basically at one point kyodai tried to sneak into the dojo and steal an old very valuable priceless sword and bruce caught him and stopped him and basically got him kicked out of the dojo ostracized from the community more or less ruined his whole life but basically, Kyodai did it to himself, but he's the type of villain that, like, he's never going to admit that. He always blames Bruce. Right. Him. So in this episode, it's kind of funny. There's a moment where he has to fight Bruce as Bruce Wayne, but Bruce Wayne has, I think it's like Summer Gleason. There's like a reporter or something that's with him. So Bruce can't just show off and just be like, I'm Batman, because then Summer's there. So there's this hilarious moment where, like, Robin shows up in costume and starts fighting Kyodai. He holds his own for a while, but what he does, um, more importantly, is he, like, kicks this mat over Summer so she can't see, which is hilarious. And then, Bat <laughs> then like, Bruce Wayne just goes, like, full Batman mode, and he kicks the shit out of Kyodai. So Kyodai, up to this point, he's like, you've gone soft, and he, like, thinks he's just, like, an old, soft billionaire. And, uh, yeah, Batman just kicks his ass. Bruce Wayne kicks his ass, sends him back to Japan. <laughs> What's even better, like, this could have just, this episode by itself was, like, it was cool, but it wasn't great. What happens later in uh, Day of the Samurai, Kyodai returns, and because he fought both Batman as Batman and Bruce Wayne, he knows the fighting style. And a fighting style, in this episode at least, is like a thumbprint, right? So he fought the same two guys. He knows they're the same guy. So that's how he deduces that Batman is actually Bruce Wayne. And I, I love any time a villain figures out Batman's identity and how they happen to do it. So we saw that with Doctor Strange and his crazy machine. I love the idea of Kyodai figuring out Batman's identity in a, in a very a much more intimate way, in a, in a way that kind of like plays on the martial arts and plays on their history together. Uh, it's also worth noting that Batman knew this mysterious ninja was Kyodai in the previous episode because he like he rips his gi at one point and he sees like this crazy tattoo on his back and he knows that that's Kyodai, and that kind of comes into play. The crazy part of the plot in this one is that Kyodai has been looking for this kind of mystical, basically from like uh, Kill Bill, like the five, five parts exploding palm technique or whatever it is. Yeah. You're basically looking for this like mystical training technique that will allow you to hit a variety, a series of pressure points. And then the last one is like, you know, like two fingers right to the heart. And then your heart basically explodes. So she, Kyodai has found this uh, technique called the way of the fang and has been practicing it. 
and Batman knows that he's been practicing it and, and Kiyoda has been waiting to use it on Batman. So Batman sneaks in and he tries to find this thing so he can protect himself. Well, the key, the final strike, the key piece of the puzzle is missing. So Batman has no clue what it is. But he's like, well, I'm out of time. I got to go face this guy. Basically, Kiyodai at this point has like kidnapped somebody, blah, blah, blah. He's holding him hostage to get Batman to come out and fight him. So these guys, they fucking fight on like a volcano as it's erupting. This is the craziest <laughs> thing I remember as a kid. They fight on a volcano as it's erupting. And like Kiyodai, he hits him in the sequence and then he, bam, he hits him right in the heart. And it's terrifying because Bruce Wayne at this point like cries out in agony and pain. His eyes go white and he just collapses on this like lava field. And you're like, holy shit, it just killed Batman. So as Kiyodai is doing his like villain monologue thing, maybe I'll leave it there. Maybe I'll leave it there. Ooh. I don't want to tell you this one because this was such a cool Ooh. moment for me when I was a kid. I'm just going to leave it there. It should be enough that Batman is fighting a ninja on a volcano. That should be enough, man. That should be enough for you to want to go check out Kiyodai. episode 44, Day of the Samurai. Uh, I had, yeah, 44 production number and then air date was 55 and then strike that and reverse it for the other one. So just look up Night gotcha. of the Ninja, Day of the Samurai. You should be able to check them out. Man, Very I'm so cool. glad I got to talk about Kiyodai. Nobody in my life lets me talk about Kiyodai this much. Yeah, that's great. I'd love to see him on well, a good... action episode too. That was a great ass memory. Love it. So excited. Um, oh, and, and like you said, so you were you were starting theater, right? So that's why the clay face thing was cool. I was right. in martial arts from like when I was in like third grade on. So this was just like a cool little side thing for me. We have obviously been able to share some of our favorite villains, and some of our favorite moments. Thankfully, as we've mentioned, we have a lot of friends and supporters who have been fantastic to us over the past two years, and we would be nowhere today without their love and support and their assistance with being able to make this show happen. And so we are going to turn this over to a couple friends right now who are going to share some of their favorite villains and their favorite moments for you. So please enjoy. Should we let them out of the cage? We should probably let them out of the cage. All right, one at a time, one at a time. File in here. I am Angela Perko uh, of New Sass Productions, a theater company in D.C. I am the resident director and co-producer there. If you want to see some awesome theater, come check us out at newsass.com. So I am here to talk today about my favorite Batman villain. And the villain that I love the most it was one that was actually introduced from, uh, by the series in the 90s. And this was the Joker's sidekick, later villain on her own, uh, on her own count, and then later anti-hero, Harley Quinn. Um, so Harley is a fantastic heroine. Uh, she is insane and funny and ridiculous and beautiful and, again, crazy as all hell. But she also has an interesting depth and complexity, which we see revealed specifically in the episode Mad Love, which is one of my favorite Batman episodes of all time. So in this, we get her backstory and find out how she became connected with the Joker. And at the end, you find sort of the true depth and abusive nature of their relationship joker ends up actually harley ends up uh doing one of joker's tricks to capture batman but she does it much better and more effectively than he does and she actually succeeds where joker has failed so many times and she has the batman at her mercy and joker comes in and sees this and he ends up beating her and tossing this character that we've seen be nothing but giggly and 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 vicious and smiling and dangerous he beats this poor woman and tosses her out a window and the horrible wonderful moment at the end is just poor harley lying broken and her last line is my fault i didn't get the joke and it's a horrible wonderful depiction of 
how even an incredible, complex, strong female character can be mangled and broken by domestic abuse and her own sort of insanity. So that's my favorite Harley Quinn moment. Hey, it's Matt, and I'm excited to be back on the SMC podcast. My favorite villain from Batman the Animated Series is Two-Face. And while he was one of the regularly appearing villains, my favorite moment of his was from Season 1, Episode 11, titled Two-Face Part 2. It's a scene available on YouTube when Batman defeats Two-Face by attacking his moral compass, the coin he always flips to make a decision. In this scene, Two-Face breaks into an attorney's office of Rupert Thorne, a notable Gotham gangster, and Two-Face flips a coin to decide if he should kill Thorne or not, but Batman intervenes by knocking a box of silver dollars in the path of the flipping coin, confusing Two-Face as to which coin is his. It's a scene I've always remembered because it's when a villain wasn't defeated by Batman's gear or some elaborate plan or sheer force, it was when a villain defeated himself. Hello, listeners. This is Evan Valentine. I'm a contributor to Collider.com and ComicBook.com and a happy guest of Saturday Morning Cartoons here to talk about my favorite villain from Batman the Animated Series, this being Baby Doll from the first and I believe the fourth seasons of the series. Baby Doll was an interesting concept in that she hadn't really appeared in the comic books before, but was definitely the most tragic villain of the series, even taking into account Victor Freeze and the loss of his wife Nora. Baby Doll was a villain who essentially had never grown up. I think she was in her 40s or mid-40s, who was permanently trapped in the body of a little girl, which made it all the more frightening when she was, because she was a psychopath, she kidnapped her uh, family that was, she had had a TV, popular TV show when she was a child. She never grew up. She kidnaps her family and gives the Dark Knight and the Boy Wonder a run for their money. And in one of the most uh, particularly heartbreaking scenes of the entire series, Baby Doll is being chased into a house of mirrors by Batman, wherein she's shooting all the mirrors where she thinks Batman is, and comes across a mirror that shows her what she would have looked like had she grown normally. And the final shot is simply of her crying as she pulls the trigger on her gun with no bullets coming out. It's, it's heartbreaking, it's wrenching, and it makes for a tragic, compelling story that is rarely found in children's animated series. So definitely my choice for villain in Batman the Animated Series is Baby Doll. Check out episodes that have her. Hey guys, it's Joe Gallo. My favorite Batman the Animated Series villain has got to be the Batman duplicate from the episode His Silicon Soul. Um, his great moment is that he's such a good Batman duplicate uh, that he sacrifices himself heroically at the very end of the episode in order to prevent the supercomputer hardack from being able to uh, come back and wreak havoc on humanity. That was awesome. Thank you guys so much for, for coming on and for doing this. Uh, we appreciate you guys adding your thoughts uh, about this show that meant so much to you as you were growing up as it did to us. Yep. So. We're glad that you guys can no, be a part so of it. No, so cool. I mean, we, we had tried to figure out a way to get everybody involved because everybody was so excited for this particular episode and to talk about this series. And clearly everybody has great memories about it. So we're glad we were able to have everybody come in and, and actually share that with all of you out there. And please, as you're listening, you know, if we struck a chord, if we struck a nerve, or if we triggered some memory for you, if you love Keo.ken like I do, uh, feel free to just drop us a line on, on Facebook. 
Uh, we'll run down our whole contact list, but Facebook has been pretty great for you guys to let us know what you like, what you don't, and what you want to hear more of. So if you have favorite Batman memories, please, please, please let us know on our Facebook page. I think that's going to do it for our 100th episode. Crazy, crazy, crazy stuff. Um, Ooh, holy crap. Sean, buddy, what do you have going on the next couple of weeks? Man, uh, we are kicking off a run of shows uh, with Washington Improv Theater. The time of this is coming out, uh, May 14th at 7.30 at the DC Arts Center, DCAC. I will be performing with Knox, doing some live improv comedy. As you can find out all about times, dates, and tickets at witdc.org. We'll be doing that for the month of May, as well as also well into June, and then actually all throughout July as well. So I'm pretty much nonstop for the next two and a half months. So fantastic. Uh, Other than that, you can always find me on Instagram and Twitter at Sean Paul Ellis. And that's it, man. Dave, what do you, what do you've got going on? Same old stuff. As far as Twitter, you can find me at Dr. Claw MD. You can also find me on collider.com. I'll be wrapping up um, the arrow season four. That's just about done wrapping up recaps on that. We'll also be having you know, movie TV news, usual stuff over there. You can also find me on Nerdist. I am the freelance writer for their uh, science category, both owned by the Hearst Corporation. So I am owned by Randolph Hearst. We just found out today. <laughs> he owns my soul. <laughs> uh, if you're interested, you can also head over to DaveTrumbor.com to find some uh, short fiction uh, that I post. Uh, hopefully we'll have some, some new stuff up fairly soon. I've been working on some other projects, but hopefully we'll get some of those up. If you're interested in finding out more about Saturday Morning Cartoons and our 100 episodes, you can do so by checking out our website, SaturdayMorningCartoons.com. Remember, that's morning with a U. You can also find us on Twitter, at MorningTunes. Check out Sean's handiwork on our Tumblr page, SaturdayMorningCartoons.tumblr.com. We have a YouTube account. We also have a Facebook page where you guys have been fan-frickin-tastic, and we hope to see more of that in the future. Oh, man. You guys are the best. Now, it's really the easiest way, I think, for us to contact you and keep in contact with you. Uh, if you'd like to get in touch with us through email, you can do so Saturday morning cartoons at gmail.com. That's going to wrap it up for the first 100 episodes. To anyone out there who marathoned all 100 episodes, you're crazy. What the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> go hydrate, please. Holy please shit. Please go hydrate. Yeah. Take care of yourself. As far as what's coming up, Sean and I have a lot of cool stuff planned, but we don't have you know, quite a, a timeline locked down for when that's going to come up. So I'm just going to tease you that we are making some changes and improvements to how we do things and hopefully we can roll them out in the next few weeks but there are some special goodies coming up in the next few episodes as well that i think you guys will enjoy right and uh along with this excitement as you can probably tell that uh dave and i have been doing this show for quite some time without ever taking a break in our schedule um for two straight years for close to (laughs) yeah for at least a year we have not had really any break in our schedule um so for the next couple weeks, we are going to be doing uh, we're going to be doing reposting some of our favorite episodes, yep. some of the the other episodes that we have that uh, if you're a new lister that you may not have heard about because thankfully when you guys interact with us and you ask us to do certain cartoons, we may have actually already covered that cartoon. Yep. So it'll just be mentioning those and bringing those back to your attention. Plus, we are going to be releasing regular episodes weekly, but these are actually going to be more of the outtakes that we have. Right. Um, when I'm editing and kind of going through and, and putting all this together, Dave and I honestly talk for somewhere between 20 to 40 minutes before we even begin recording. Yeah, just and on so, average, just a lot of just like bull and just nonsense that comes out that's sometimes pretty funny. So 
this stuff can get real weird and real crazy. So <laughs> hold you, on to your yeah, butts. This will give you an insight into how crazy we actually are. So it's fun. Yeah. So if you, uh, you know, if you, for the next couple of weeks, are thinking to yourself, you know, I need a little bit of break from cartoons because I need to just sort of relax and, and, be an and adult. regroup myself. Yeah. Uh, you know, I need, a, I need an opportunity to regroup before I kind of get back into some of these, these cartoons. Uh, well, maybe I'll learn a little bit more about Sean and Dave and how kind of weird they yeah. are. Well, perfect opportunity for you. That'll be a good time. Get a peek inside our brain. <laughs> Until next time, though, this has been Saturday Morning Cartoons Centennial Edition. Thank you guys wow. so much for listening. We really do appreciate Thank it. Thank you. And we hope to see you again next time. Thanks. Thanks.